can't keep her here forever. If they find her, we're never gonna see her again. We gotta protect her, that's our job. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster. Ellie Sattler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? What's up, everybody? You're listening to the What's On Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dre Emerson, and welcome back to another installment of the show. Now, please make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Players Circle. That's Players with a Z. A couple program reminders. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we have a new co-host that's going to be joining us from time to time named Sean Art, and he's going to be talking with me some of the biggest news in sports, pop culture, gaming, all this, that, and forth. Now, if you didn't listen to that last week's episode, it was a great episode. Me and Sean talked about Book of Boba Fett up until date, not the conclusion of the episode, which I'm going to be touching on on today's episode. Following the big news of the day, we're recording on Thursday, we got the official trailer for Jurassic World Dominion. That is what we're going to be talking about today's show. And then later on, I'm going to be touching on some NFL news of sort with Roger Goodell and the latest State of the League address and also James Harden news with the trade deadline coming up today. So let's start things off with Jurassic World. We got the uh, trailers about like over like two minutes, about almost three minutes. Um, so we are picking up where we left off from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That is gonna, that is the second installment in the Jurassic World series. Um we're picking up where we left off where we found that human cloning is now in the Jurassic uh, Park franchise. And in the second movie, genetically engineered dinosaurs were auctioned off to companies. We also saw a human girl that was cloned. And we also see at the end of the movies, after our heroes saved the day from the big bad dinosaur, they were released on the mainland. So now the story is going to take place uh, around various parts of the world. And we're going to be seeing humans living with dinosaurs. That's basically what the synopsis of the movie is. Returning in the movie is obviously Chris Pratt as the title character Owen Grady. We also got Bryce Dallas Howard is returning. But the big news from this movie is that we get the OGs coming back from the original Jurassic Park series. We're getting Sam Neill uh, as Dr. Alan Grant. We also get Lauren Dern as Ellie Sattler. And Jeff Goldblum makes his return again as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Those are the, some of the voices that you heard in the opening intro of the trailer. So yeah, it's it's a big movie. It's, gonna, it's kind of like a conclusion of sorts of this era or this Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World era. So, so in the trailer, we got some really cool action scenes. We saw... Basically, Owen Grady doing his thing with the dinosaurs. He's taming them. They're basically dinosaurs living in civilization. Some are, like I said, tame. Some are good. Some are wrecking havoc. Uh, we see in Italy, or it looks like some place in Italy, some Italian city, dinosaurs are going crazy. 
we see Owen Grady and another character face against uh, one of these dinosaurs. So obviously it's going to be some dinosaurs versus human stuff going on in the film. Burning questions that I got initially just from the trailer. Who is going to be the big bad? Who is like the main problem in the movie? So we know that the dinosaurs are living with the humans. We know that they have been living with them for over four years. We also see that Owen has done his thing that he did with Blue and learning how to use the dinosaurs as a source. But, you know, obviously some aren't going to be listening. So who is what? Like, basically, what is the big bad what is the main problem? We didn't really get too much of it. I mean, like I said, we saw some action scenes where we saw some of our characters up against some dinosaurs, but we it doesn't really seem like a center problem. Like, is the problem going to be them trying to get the dinosaurs into a new land, into a new space, or are we just going to see dinosaurs just living with the humans forever? It's, it's real unclear, but hopefully that's going to be something that they, you know clear up or you know kind of make a point of to make an emphasis in the next couple trailers that's going to be coming out so um just a couple of notes that we know from the uh, movie uh director colin trevorrow did say that the old stars are going to have equal screen time with the main stars of the movie so that begs the question what ways will these old characters be used because with those characters, those are very popular characters. Like me, myself, I used to love Dr. Alan Grant. He's one of my favorite characters. I used to, I still have his action figure, I, I believe, um, somewhere. And these were, these are beloved characters. And a problem that the new this uh, Jurassic World has been facing that these characters haven't Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Chris Pratt just haven't really been connecting with the audience it, it just seems like it's a, a connection problem don't know if it's the you know the hate for chris pratt for you know the the multitude of reasons but he just it's just something about him it's with dr allen grant he was charismatic you could sense that he understand the you know the stakes that's what's going on the longevity of the situation and with chris pratt it just seems like he kind of you know just goes around with the flow he's not really uh, he doesn't. It's like he doesn't really understand his stakes. It does. It some sometimes it seems like it doesn't just really matter to him what's going on. He's full of confidence, which you know it's always a good thing. But we also want to see other sides of our character. Like what will they? What decisions will they make? What will they do in just dire situations? And how these situations have impacted them. But it just we haven't really gotten that too much from that from Chris Pratt. So hopefully, hopefully these old characters don't overshadow that because then it's just like, well, maybe you should have just brought back the old characters for this new, the new series, the Jurassic World series. It's, it's you know, remains to be seen, but, like, I think it's going to be good. The scenes that we got, it seems like they're going to be used well. Um, Alan Grant versus Chris Pat. They said, like, the same line at the same time in uh, one of the scenes. Don't move. Uh, you know, a very, uh, you know, popular phrase to say in Jurassic Park, which, you know, does it really matter if you don't move? Like, these dinosaurs are not still going to go and try to kill you. Like, these are savage carnivores. Like, what are we really talking about here? Um, but yeah, the trailer looks good. And it's funny, I, in a previous episode, like two or three episodes ago, I talked about Jurassic World and how I'm not really, 
I'm not really, I wasn't really sold on it because I didn't really know what direction it was going to go. And not that I, we have clear direction because we don't still have clear direction on what's going to be going on in the movie. But just from what I've seen from the trailer, it does look promising in a way. You know, we're going to be over, uh, across the world. We're going to be seeing how dinosaurs have affected not only just, you know, small populations and stuff. It's dinosaurs everywhere. The dinosaurs are everywhere, and we're going to see that. Uh, they're in the sky. We It's got this cool action scene where in the cargo plane, this pterodactyl or whatever type of dinosaur it was. I don't want to say the wrong one before the dinosaur nerds get to me. But the pterodactyl sorts attack the plane. So dinosaurs are everywhere. Dinosaurs in the sky. Dinosaurs are still in the ocean. We see the big ass one that from the um, previous two movies come and swallow like a one of those crate ships on the ocean that's, you know, catching fish. So it's... Dinosaurs are everywhere, and like, that's really a main problem. One thing, one interesting thing that we got to see: Blue has a baby. Looks like Blue found a little baby daddy in the wild, and is you know, she had a little excursion, lived it up, and she got a baby. We don't know if that's her only child or what, but the dinosaur looks adorable. And if we know easy way to sell to anybody to any audience of all ages is to have an adorable character in the movie they they did it with star wars they did it with baby grogu um and all marvel movies it's always usually just one little cuddly thing i mean not that group was a cuddly thing but they made him into a cute cuddly thing that you know fans fell in love with so well merchandise well always so we got baby blue what's to come of it if he are, are they the baby in blue is living with owen we don't know we see that bryce Dallas howard says to owen they can't keep living here or something like that so obviously owen's got to be have the face of that decision of what to do with blue and the child he wants to protect them he wants to make sure they're going to be okay in the world like nothing's going to be happening to them but at the end of the day they're dinosaurs we know that he has a special attachment to them a special bond but the dinosaurs and can you really live with dinosaurs and that's you know just the main question of the movie it's a very broad question you know very just simplistic but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting plot to see so hopefully like i talked about with chris pratt the character hopefully we get to see something something with that hopefully we get to see something with that um one thing that i hope that is, you know, that was made an emphasis on in this movie is just make it scarier. It doesn't really, we didn't really see, I mean, we got some great scenes from the previous two movies uh, that, you know, like, oh, it's tough. But it wasn't like those original scenes from the uh, original movies, like when they was trapped in that, what it was, it was like a kitchen or a laboratory. It was something, and they was behind the cabinets and the directors were communicating, and then, in the second one as well, like we just got all these great horror scenes where you was just like really terrified about what's gonna happen, and that was really lacking in the newer movies. So hopefully we can get some of that. Hopefully that was made an emphasis. Um, but yeah, that's basically all that we can you know really talk about from this trailer. Other than where are they gonna go from there? That remains to be seen after we see the movie. So. That's all for that. We're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to get into the book of Boba Fett conclusion. I can't wait to talk about this because, wow. Stay tuned. 
All right, welcome back to the show. It's time to dis- discuss Book of Boba Fett, the finale, the 10 out of 10 that it was, the amazing roller coaster that I did not want to get off of. This was pure cinema. This was an amazing episode of television. Now, this is going to be riddled with spoilers. So if you don't want to know what happens in the finale, you haven't watched it yet, please skip ahead. And come back to it when you come back to this podcast after you watched it. Because I got some interesting thoughts on the show. So, in this episode, quick little synopsis, quick little run through of what happens. We see Boba, Mando, and Fennec, and the other heroes, the uh, Black Castarsian, uh, that's the Black Wiki, the Gamorreans, some of the mod people, they are preparing for war against the Pikes. For most Espa on Tatooine, um, K. Bane comes to negotiate terms of the agreement, saying that they are going to be taking over the land. To which Boba Fett says, "No, the hell you're not." Obviously, the war starts off, and our heroes are quickly greatly outnumbered. Uh, in the previous episode, we saw Mando reaching out to Cobb Fant and the Freetown people to come help for the war, in which it seems like they were on track to until Cobb Bane came and then gunned down. Uh, Vanth, the marshal, and then some other little lame-ass deputy that wanted to get involved so bad, and they just messed everything up. So we, we f- come to find out, K. Bane tells them um, that, hey, I took out your boy, the people's not coming. Also, uh, the Pikes, yeah, my employers, they slaughtered your people. Yeah, they slaughtered the Tuscans. So Boba Fett comes to out, he finds that out from K. Bane. He, he wants to go at him right there to where Fennec says, no, wait. And yeah, so we're in the war, we're going at it, our people are outnumbered, and lo and behold, the Freetown people come and save the day, and the ties turn until the Pikes unleash these mecha, these crazy, like, machines with force fields. They're kind of scary, too, you know, when they came through. Um, very dramatic, very dramatic scene. So yeah, they came, wrecking shit up. The heroes look like they're about to take the L. Kasteris in. Uh, he was overwhelmed by some guards, which I was just like, the plan. I understand the plan to split up, but what messed all that up for them was the town people that Boba Fett originally thought was gonna say out of the mess. They turned on them, so now that is what comes to. I should include that earlier. That is why our heroes are greatly outnumbered including the great pike army that they have also the big bad game bay so yada 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 blah 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 grogu arrives grogu our favorite baby yoda grogu arrives with our favorite mechanic peli as well to save mando just in time uh grogu in an adorable scene you know reconnects with our boy mando very touching and they use this, they use a force to you know turn the ties they've able to help defeat one of the monsters but then they are over they are again overwhelmed because just the monsters are too much in this time our boy Boba Fett he's finally getting his face back he's come back with the amazing awesome destroying everything in his way rancor and they defeat the machines but then K Bay comes back, and and what you know about the Rancor is they're afraid of fire. So K Bay, knowing this, he boom uses the fire on the Rancor. Of uh, some embarrassing reason why I don't know why, but 
Boba Fett just falls off. And now we're in a one-on-one showdown, just like a good old any Western show. K-Bang quickly overwhelms and kind of easily, which is, you know, another slap in the face of Boba. But Boba comes back, uses some of his teachings from the Tuscan Warriors and defeats K-Bang, stabs him, impels him, and we supposedly see K-Bang die. Um, after that, the war is getting ready to be over and wrapped up because Finnick, who was doing a little damage here and there and wasn't really seen too much in the series, she has traveled back to Moss Esley, uh, not in the series, in the episode, but she has traveled back to Moss Esley where she goes to assassinate the Pikes and the Mayor. And that is pretty much the conclusion of the episode. Um, in the end, we also see who we believe to be dead, who I didn't believe to be dead because I know they wasn't going to murder my boy, Cobb Vanth. He is being healed in the Becta tank. That is it. That is what happened on the episode. Amazing episode. It was a roller coaster. It was a lot. Thoughts. Thoughts. I did have a little problem. I did have a little problem. The Grogu moment was going to be an epic moment. It was supposed to be an epic moment. I thought we was going to see which one he chooses, but we didn't. Instead, we just sees. Grogu rising on ain't shit Luke Skywalker X-Wing with R2-D2 and yeah we just boom comes to find out that Grogu chooses Mando which I felt like they needed to do obviously because you can't have the Mandalorian season three without Grogu it just wasn't gonna work um especially all that they build up in between these two seasons but it was kind of a little it was a small letdown just to see that choice not to be made. But nevertheless, boom, we get to it. And it, just that whole situation, though, it highlighted a a pacing problem with the episode. Like, just so much was going on. Like, nothing was even made of the Gamorreans when they died. They had a crazy, sad scene when they died. But, like, boom, they died. Then wasn't even brought back up. Wasn't even talked about just felt like that was just swept over just a lot of scenes swept over another thing when the one the girl from the freetown and one of the mob people seemingly came together i thought in the closing scenes of that final fight with one of the mechanisms after they defeated one that they was going to use that sniper to destroy one of the machines after the force fills off but we for such a build-up that was for them working together there was no payoff for that. So it was just a lot of just, you know, pacing problems. Things again swept over. But other than that, though, other than that, it was still a, a very solid 10 out of 10 episode because a lot of our questions was answered. Uh, we come to find out that there are more Tuscan Raiders out there. Uh, Boba Fett learns of what happens. We know that the Pikes were behind the killing of the Tuscan Raiders. Uh, we learned that Grogu chooses Mando. We know that a path is set for mandalorian season three into which mando and baby yoda are going to be discovering you know going through you know new galaxies far 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 away and restoring mando's honor we see that boba fett you know he get his face back because he was been done dirty all series he gets his face back and you know he becomes the true leader the true daimo of Moss Espo on Tatooine, and you know that's basically that's basically the series in a whole. And you know, like I said on the last last podcast, it's just not maybe it's just not too much story to go around for Boba Fett, and this is all that it needs to be. And if that was, I'm perfectly okay. It was a solid series, 
from head to toe. There was only probably one episode that I just didn't really care for, and that was the one where episode four, where Finnick and Boba Fett's history is introduced and how they came together. But I just felt like even that one wasn't too bad of an episode. It was just, you know, poorly placed. I felt like that could have been something that was, you know, episode two, episode three, yada, yada. But that's basically it. It was a fantastic piece of television. Now, as for the future of Star Wars, what's going to happen now? There are a lot of stories that we can explore, other than Boba Fett ones, who wasn't as intriguing. I mean, not to say it wasn't as intriguing, but it just, in the scheme of things, where you see what goes on with Mando and Baby Yoda, it's just, you know, less than important. But we have more important characters that is has more interesting things to uncover, and that's Ahsoka. Um, from Clone Wars, who I've recently picked up and is enjoying. It's a very good show. I recommend everyone to watch it. All the Star Wars fans that kind of that maybe skipped over it when it was coming on uh, Cartoon Network's Tsunami. But she has an amazing backstory that can be uncovered, which will be uncovered in her new series that's going to be coming out. Um, Star Wars also has the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming out, and we come to find out that, yes, my boy Hayden Christianier my boy Anakin Skywalker is going to be in there. We're going to see some great scenes with him. So, Star Wars future looks, it looks healthy. It looks healthy. It looks like we're going to be getting some good products coming out. So, I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy about that. And then, Grogu. What is going to happen with Grogu? Is he ever going to get his own lightsaber? Is he going to learn the ways of the Force? Does he die in Order 66? These are questions that we hopefully get to answers to in Mandalorian Season 3 or maybe some other series and installments of the Star Wars franchise. But that is it I got for all that, for the conclusion of that. Like I said, 10 out of 10 episode. Series as a whole, I'll give it a solid B+. Not, and I know a lot of people were going back and forth saying this was basically Mando 2.5. I joke that it was Mando 2.5. I think that people are forgetting that we got some really good episodes, really good television where we saw Boba Fett learning some, you know, and it's a, a trope that they uses a lot in TV too, in these uh, movies and series and stuff. He's learning the ways of some people and we got to see it pay off for him. Now, if they want to go into a Boba Fett season two, we can see where he goes and see if he goes to try to find any more Tuscan people and then any other threats that's going to come to his throne. There's always that possibility, but the more pressing matters is Grogu, Mando, and Ahsoka. So we're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to get into some NFL talk real quick and James Harden to close out the show. Y'all stay tuned. All right, so Roger Goodell was a part of the state of address was yesterday, where he talked to the, he talked with the owners. He talked to basically us about what's going on in the NFL, and he said that the NFL fell short. They indeed fell short with the minority hirings, you know, in the wake of the Brian Flores lawsuit against against the league. So I want to just remind people quickly that Roger Goodell is taking the blame 
for a lot for all these owners right now. He's brand, you know, the brand of every all of our criticism, all that. Because Roger Goodell can't do anything. For all the people saying Roger Goodell's asleep at the wheel, yada yada yada. Roger Goodell can't do anything. He works for the owners. That is important to know. He works for the owners. Only the owners really can be the ones to make change. The owners are paying Roger Goodell's. Uh, I mean, I said Roger Goodell's. Roger Goodell's fifty million salary. The owners are got to be the one to make the change. And it's time. It's time. They the change could have been made when Panthers had an opening after their owner. Their that debacle. Instead, they brought in David Tepper when they could have brought in a minority candidate. We know that Diddy wanted to make a bid for it, and Diddy got money. Let's not like Diddy don't got money now. And he could have got with some investors and group of people. But the NFL, are just, you know, for just unknown reasons why, but we really know why, they didn't want to bring him in. Now we're in a situation where the Broncos are going to have an opening, well, are having an opening, and we do have a black minority candidate, uh, Brian Allen, who is going to be looking to purchase the team. But is it all just to shut us up? Is it just the owner's way of just saying, hey, all right, we handled this problem? Or are we going to be seeing more changes? Because something also that is important to note, there's still all those reports from the Washington uh, Commanders, now Commanders, formerly the Washington football team and the Redskins. There's all those notes about, and we know that Daniel Snyder, he, he wants, he wants uh, all the finest to come out because some of these owners also could be in trouble. Some of these other owners could be getting out of here. Maybe that's going to make room for more, you know, minority candidates to come in and fill some of these spots. Because, let's be clear, Dan Snyder is not the only one. Former uh, Panthers owner, he's not the only one. A lot of these owners dibble and dabble into some, some bad things that just haven't came to light. But the key thing I just want to emphasize, it's not Roger Goodell's fault. How about we, how about we look at uh, Jaguars owner, Shah Khan? What have you been doing? Other than running a terrible organization, why haven't you been able to influence or do some things more for your uh, for your other people out here, for your people, for your minorities? I think it's time we look at Shah Khan a little bit more. Put a little spotlight on him. He's the only minority candidate in the NFL. Yet he hasn't. His organization hasn't had a, what a black intern coach or a black head coach. One of one of teams that have yet to have one. Let's start with him. Switching gears to NBA talk. Uh, the NBA trade line, NBA uh, trade deadline is today at 3 p.m. I don't know when you will be listening to this uh, podcast. The trade deadline might already be over, but currently we still got some time. We still got about two hours. A couple trades have been uh, taking place, but the main one that everyone is waiting for that we're waiting to see are the Sixers going to make a move for James Harden. Are the Nets going to let him go? Are the Sixers are finally going to free Ben Simmons? These are the branding questions that we are waiting to see. I don't think it's going to come, though. I think Daryl Morey, foolish as he is, is dug into the stance that he's not getting rid of Ben Simmons. He believes that he's going to be able to get James Harden after James Harden contract is up at the end of this season, which I don't blame him. Why, why wait for something when you know it's going to come? But what if the Nets are able to turn things around. What if Kyrie gets his vaccine? What if the what if what if everything just comes together for them in this in the closing moments of the season? They they go on a run to win the NBA championship, and then James Harden says, "Yeah, 
I think I want to stay around and win a couple more. Why, how are we going to look at Daryl Morey? How are we going to look at the Sixers organization? It's going to be a tough pill for them to swallow to know that they could have, they could have made the move. Or there are going to be other offers. This, this is the best offer, I want to say, by the way. This is the best offer, James Harden for Ben Simmons. It's the only offer you should want to do. But there were other offers. And other trades could have been taking place. But Dale Murray was just so dug in on James Harden. So dug in. And now, just what if he just doesn't go? It's going to be a big slap in the face for the Sixers organization. Big slap in the face. I'm excited, though. We still got two hours. Make some moves. Make some moves. I want to see Ben Simmons play basketball again. I want to see him get out of that toxic situation from that toxic town of Philadelphia. Let's free my boy. But that is it. That is all I got for you on today's podcast. Thank you for listening, as always. And make sure you follow us on the Twitter and Instagram pages. Make sure you listen to some of our previous episodes. And maybe get yourself situated, uh, you know, get to uh, know Sean Art, who's going to be doing dropping by from time to time. That is our new co-host, like I previously mentioned. It's been a pleasure. See you guys again next week.